one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Djokovic is through after a five-set epic. Murray faces Tomic, but most of all, he'll just be relieved that father-in-law Nigel Sears is okay. And with the second week of the Australian Open upon us, we'll talk to Alex Karecha about Carlos Moyer, the coach, Todd Woodbridge about Tomic, Kyrgios and Gavrilova, and to the last British woman to reach an Australian Open quarter-final, Joe Jury, about Johanna Conter's quest to match her. It's all right here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. My name's David Law, and first we'll start with a chat to Simon Briggs, The Telegraph's tennis correspondent. Well, Simon Briggs and I are between sessions at the moment uh, at the Australian Open. The day session is just coming to a close with Novak Djokovic actually out on the court. He hasn't had things all of his own way in the first set, but he's won it 6-3 in the match that we've been following. But I think we're still trying to digest what went on last night Simon uh, during the Andy Murray match with uh, Nigel Sears his father-in-law falling ill during the match on the Rod Laver arena uh, with Anna Ivanovic in action and uh, obviously Andy then rushing to the hospital to see how his father-in-law was doing it the, the news appears to be relatively positive certainly as of this morning I got a note from Nigel just saying he felt fine now and that uh, that he, he was having some tests but hoping to be released from hospital soon. Um, and Andy has since practised, I believe, hasn't he? Yeah, he went out on court 16. The Australian Open actually asked for all the media personnel to uh, vacate the area. I think um, the whole Murray camp is trying to keep him uh, away from any fuss today. He's probably had enough distraction already. He went to the hospital for a couple of hours last night. And then I think he returned for an hour or so this morning. Um, the good news, I guess, is that he's uh, felt that he's been able to come down and, and return to his normal pre-match schedule, which uh, encourages anyone who's hoping to watch him progress further in this tournament this coming week. Difficult match against Bernard Tomic coming up tomorrow. Haven't heard the schedule yet, but we're assuming um, a night match. Yeah, I think so, isn't it? I mean, the local hope, and they're really going to build this one, aren't they? Because he's obviously the last Australian male left in the draw. Interesting character, isn't he, Bernard Tomic? Mm. I mean, there's plenty to write about with him whenever you, uh, whenever you come to, to do a match with him. And, and he's actually given us that rare thing, a quote about Roger Federer, which is something short of reverential. Disobliging, is that the word? Yeah, he... Uh... He replied to 
um, a comment put to him that Federer had made about him up at Brisbane, I believe, where Roger said something like, well, he always says he, he's, he's going to be top 10, but actions speak louder than words and he's not really doing it. And so uh, Bernie hit back with something like, um, well, if he's going to say that about me, I'm going to say that he's nowhere near Novak. He's miles behind Novak. So take that, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Bernie, when you actually speak to him, I always feel that there's actually quite a good soul underneath it all. But it's quite a long way buried, isn't it? I mean, also, if you meet his family, you have to say that, you know, what chances he have is his, uh, his dad is definitely up there among the, the nuttier of, of the uh, tennis parent genre. And that is, uh, you know, it's a pretty heavily contested field. Um, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's always good to watch. He's, he's interesting to listen to, uh, a little unpredictable. And um, it, should be a, it should be an entertaining match. Yeah, because we obviously saw them play, didn't we, a few months ago in the Davis Cup semi-final against Australia. And you just got the feeling that Andy Murray, certainly at his best, is just a better version of Bernard Tomic at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean, Bernard's quite unorthodox in some ways. He, he likes to play cat and mouse. So that, that's the comparison with Andy, I suppose. The, the old Andy who, who was the counter-puncher and the, uh, the kind of the thinker who try to deconstruct people in, in long rallies. That's sort of a bit how Bernie plays. But Andy, Andy's kind of left that behind a little bit now. He's, he's more prone to take the initiative and to try and hit through people early on in points. Um, so that's probably what he'll try and do with Bernie because I don't think Bernie can match him for power. And, yeah, the touch that Bernie has as well, Andy can probably compete with that. So he's never looked like a guy who Andy would be frightened of. Mind you, Yao Suso doesn't necessarily look that way either and he did give Andy quite a, a stern test last night yeah it's funny I mean obviously Andy as we understand it didn't know anything about what was going on with his father-in-law at the same time as he was playing but from ball one yesterday Andy Murray was not really in the best frame of minds out there on the Margaret Court Arena it seemed to me he seemed irritated by his own form and with his lack of timing yeah I mean it's so it, the, the the barometer for his level of comfort tends to be the forehand and certainly watching the first set. I mean, I kind of watched the first set in a bit, I think, and then, then events blew up elsewhere and, and only really had one eye on the match after that, which was a shame because it was a good match to watch. But uh, certainly that bit I watched, I felt that he was really placing his forehand in the court rather than hitting it as he had done against Groth and um, also in his opening round. So... Uh, that allowed Sousa to settle and Sousa's very uh, quick around the back of the court steady player um, played above himself you know for, for in that, in that uh, second set that he won um, and Andy made a little bit of a meal of it but towards the end he was coming into his own and, and really enjoying the physical battle which he it was a, a sort of turning point, wasn't there? A 22-shot rally where the ball went sort of up over, over the players' heads and then drop shots and left and right. And I think the stat said that um, Sousa ran about 65 metres in the point, which is a long way in, in one point, and kind of just completely ran out of gas. And that single point just seemed to turn the momentum completely. From that, that moment on, Andy sort of felt he had him physically and relaxed a bit and began to hit the ball better. Johanna Konsa will be another British player in action on Monday, she'll be in the, the last 16 as well. I got a chance to speak to the British Davies Cup captain, Leon Smith, straight after her third round win. We were doing the match uh, on commentating on it for BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra. This is what Leon had to say. 
I'm absolutely thrilled for, for Johanna first and foremost because you know, the minute she walked onto that court today, which is a big arena, the high sense arena is a big arena. Uh, it was full because the ground passes here allow players to go, uh, fans to go on there. She just looked so comfortable in that environment and confident, um, and her tennis today was just outstanding. I mean, the, you know, you compare, she lost to the, the the same player, I think, at the French Open last year, and now she's been here very, very comfortably in just over an hour. It shows the improvement she's made. Um, her whole game looks in, in a good position. I mean, her serving is very, very effective. She's got so much variety on it. Her ground strokes are powerful uh, with enough variation. Uh, and she's moving great, so it's it's a pretty good combination. And all those issues around nerves and anxiety, we've got to stop talking about it because it doesn't look like an issue uh, anymore. She looks like she's really managing herself very well. We were in the, the Rod Laver Arena commentary box watching that one on a screen, and moments later we saw out of the, the window there a defeat for another top player with Garbini Muguruza going out pretty straightforwardly to Barbora Stritseva. That bottom half of the draw is opening up for someone, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, uh, the danger players, in her, I think Azarenka's playing obviously unbelievably well and she's going to be incredibly dangerous as the tournament goes on. But, uh, you know, the fact that we lost the second, uh, Halep obviously lost, and then Muguruza today, who was really out of sorts. I mean, Stritseva's obviously a very feisty player she makes a lot of balls she moves great um, but doesn't have much power but Muguruza was really at, at six and sevens today missing a lot of forehands in particular um, but it has it does make for for interesting uh, second week as we move forwards in that part of the draw and Ekaterina Makarova is the player that Conta will face having beaten Karolina Pliskova the ninth seed very handily tricky player though isn't she Makarova being a semi-finalist here she will be on paper the favourite against Conta well, she will be uh, based on previous form here, as you said, former semi-finalist uh, and a couple of quarter-finals as well, I think. Um, so she obviously likes the courts here, the environment suits her. She hits the ball flat, she's aggressive with the ball, the ball stays very, very low. Um, so, and, and obviously it's different when you're playing a left-hander as well, you have to get that range and rhythm back. So I'm sure over the coming days, uh, Esteban Kuril, Johanna's coach, will be calling in some favours and getting some lefty hitters lined up as much as possible. So, Simon, Leon Smith certainly impressed with what he'd seen from Johanna Conta. What was your take? It was a rubbish match. <laughs> really rubbish, because Alatova didn't uh, come out with any self-belief, and I don't think she was fit either. So, yeah, excellent from Joe just to hold it together. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we learned much about her, only that she maybe feels comfortable on, on this stage now and if somebody is going to put in a, you know, a bit of a no-show against her as Alatova did, I think physically because she was carrying an injury, then she'll take advantage of it without blinking and that's what she did. So good, good on her for that. It wasn't much fun to watch. It was a dead atmosphere inside Hisense. Um, so hopefully a better match coming up um, in the fourth round against Makarova. We've all done our predictions uh, this morning. You, myself, uh, Catherine Whitaker, who's over there in, in the UK presenting the Eurosports Highlights show, uh, producer Dave and student Matt. We've all done our predictions for the last 16. What have you got for Conta Makarova? I've been absolutely rubbish uh, predictions. I, I, you know, I, I need some, uh, some of these to fall my way because I I'm, I'm, must be back-marking the field. But... Uh, well, I think I think sixty forty Makarova. I think uh, purely because she's a more experienced player. I think she, to me, she's a little bit like Joe in that she's an incredibly hard worker. I think I might have told you before. I went to Lamanga 
um, on a tennis trip once and, and saw her completely coincidentally at the front of the uh, club on, on court one. They, they put her on court one with her Russian coach, just training like an absolute brute day after day. And they put her on show and they were really enjoying the fact that all these clubbies and holidaymakers were coming past and getting a little taste of what it means to train as a top 20 player. So I have a lot of respect for the way she works. She, she hits great down the lines and she doesn't give away too many free points. So I, I see Joe as a grinder and I think Makarova is a grinder as well and a slightly more experienced one. So I'm, I'm backing her 60-40 to win it, but there's no reason why Joe can't win it and she's not second favourite by much. It's an interesting one, isn't it? What about the rest of the tournament from what you've seen so far? On the men's side, as I said, Novak Djokovic in action against Shields Simon at the moment. He's, he doesn't feel as though he's hit completely top form to me yet Djokovic he had a, he's had a couple of tie breaks so far <laughs> but this is what Djokovic does isn't it he he just keeps on going I mean all of these have still been straight sets and and you're laughing I suspect because you're thinking well if pushing him is a couple of tie breaks goodness help everybody else well, kind of yeah it is like uh, well what, what does it take to say that, that he's on peak form I mean yeah he, he he's not absolutely purring as he can do but he's still way too good and there have been some quite funny exchanges actually in the press the last couple of days I think Jill Simon before the match was almost taking the mickey out of uh, how impossible it is to uh, to beat him uh, you know it's just like the rest of the field is just in a sort of state of shock at the moment and and really uh, it's a bit like it's like the black spot in um, Treasure Island as soon as you draw Novak's name you might, you just might as well start sort of lie down on the floor and, 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 and disappear because you've got no chance <laughs> same time assuming he gets by Simon today Kaney Shakoi looked fabulous today I mean he's his quarterfinal opponent schedule yeah I didn't actually see much of it I was watching the Sharapova Benchich match which I picked wrong as well <sighs> And I, I picked Songa to win that one purely because Kaina Shikori had uh, wrist trouble in the previous match against um, Garcia Lopez and had to have his wrist strapped. So I did the same if it's any sort of consolation. I didn't think physically he was at the races. And in fact, it turned out to be Songa who, who was physically struggling. He said he had a, a blocked back. <laughs> These are the unknowables, which, which can rather complicate one's calculations, he said, he said in grief. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he certainly... Uh, was um, whippy and, and, and to the point today, Kai. I mean, when his footwork's uh, on its best level, he just covers a, an awful lot of ground and uh, he, he really does lay into those ground shots. He, he always seems to hit them sort of with his, with his whole body about three foot off the ground. Uh, so he will really be a test for Novak in the next round. Yeah. Assuming, assuming Novak hasn't finished yet, but we, we are assuming he'll beat Simon. Yeah, there's a few other interesting ones, aren't there? Because we've got Vavrinka against Raonic. That's a fourth round. I mean, it's a tough old fourth round, that one. And, uh, you know, the, the draw is building to quite a crescendo in the, in the second week here. There's only one unseeded player in the uh, last 16 of the men's, which is Kuznetsov, where there are seven in the last 16 of the women's, which um, is very typical, really, of how the two tours are these days. Um, yeah, and some, some pretty heavy clashes... I was going to say, talking of heavy clashes, Sharapova against Serena Williams quarter-final. That was a, a final last year. Doesn't feel to me, though, as though Sharapova is playing quite as well as she was last year. Yeah, I was disappointed in Benchich today. You know, she, she served very slowly. I think she had zero aces in the match. She missed a lot of balls. Sharapova was crunching it, um, hitting 21 aces, I think she hit. But at the same time, she was really going so hell for leather that she was making mistakes. And there was an opportunity there, and Benchich... 
I just have to keep on reminding myself that she's only 18. You know, she, like, I really, sometimes I think that my problem with the predictions is that I predict the things I want to happen. And I, and I, <laughs> and I want to see some of these young stars, you know, show the world what they've got. And today I didn't really feel like Benchich put her best level on the court. And if she had, I think she would have had a shot. Yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from there. The age-old problems of predictions. Catherine Whitaker and I know only too well. So with that, Simon went off to lick his wounds and to write his stories for the day. We'll hear more from him later in the week. Simon talked a lot about Bernard Tomic, the next opponent of Andy Murray. I've been speaking to Todd Woodbridge, multiple Grand Slam doubles winner and now Channel 7 commentator about Tomic, Kyrgios and first... Daria Gavrilova. She, in terms of personality, is a determined young woman with a positive attitude. She shows on court a little bit of anger and anxiety at times, but she switches that into being key thing to motivate her and play aggressive tennis. She uses it very well. Um, in terms of what she like off the court, well, she met her, her boyfriend, partner, Luke Saville at Junior Fed Cup, Junior Davis Cup in a competition, the 16 and under World Championships. They, they've known each other from then. They started dating. They lived together in uh, Port uh, in, in uh, Albert Park in Melbourne, just 10 minutes away from the site here. And um, she she's a young girl that is hugely important, I believe, for Australian tennis because she brings positivity. She doesn't hang back and hope something happens with her career. She's she's already had setbacks and she's got over them by, by knee surgery and she's a, she's a young girl that I think can do a lot for our women's programs here because she's a wonderful example of what, what, is, what you can be capable of, only 5 foot 5 doesn't have a big serve, hits the ball well off the ground but her biggest strength is her competitiveness She's up against Carla Suarez-Navarro tonight, Rod Laver Arena. Suddenly people obviously in this country are very excited. I mean, understandably so. She was fantastic a couple of days ago against Mladenovic. But now the focus is right on her. How is she going to handle this? What sort of match can we expect? I think she'll handle it well. Uh, Part of the reason she will is that Carla Suarez-Navarro is a class player. Uh, If she was able to beat her, that would be an extraordinary win, I think. She can beat her, though, because Suarez Navarro will not blow her off the court. She's got a lot of experience out there, uh, a sound clay court game. For Daria to win, she's got to come up, step in the court, take her chances and get out after the ball like she's done. Um, So I think it'll be a, a tight match regardless of the result. But there is one thing in sport. When you have momentum and you know how to use it and ride it, that's what that's what Daria has. She's going to have the crowd so revved up and behind her by how positive she is. She bounces around the court after wins. She lets them know. She gets them going with 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 fist pumps. And it, it's it's exciting to watch a, a young female player like her because there's not that many out there like that. They're, they're fairly bland on the women's tour. So it it's something that the WTA has been after is a young player like this that has this energy. Someone else who is certainly not bland is Bernard Tomic, and he's been around for a few years now. He's not as new on the scene as uh, as Daria, but he he's sort of just incrementally building his ranking, isn't he? And he's now inside top twenty, and he's playing Andy Murray in the fourth round. Where, where do you think he is at? Well, he's he's an interesting cat. Bernie because um, you know I remember his father telling us he was going to win 15 grand slams before about the age of 20 um, and that hasn't come to the fore obviously There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. But he is 16 in the world. He comes off his best year last year. Um, He's... I've spent a lot of time on court with Davis Cup teams and coaching. He's one of the very few players I've ever been out on court with who can tell you, this guy cannot do A, B and C, and I'm going to hit the ball to A, B, C to win the point. That's what he does really well. He loves the game, and, and he has that art in it. The one thing that he hasn't learned to do in his career, though, is to step up and be more assertive and more aggressive to take matches on. He takes too long to win, win matches. Now, you have no chance of beating Andy Murray if you're going to go in with that game style. So for him to progress even in the next round against Andy, he has to take risks. I don't think he has that in him yet to do that. And if he's going to go further and reach top 10 or potential semis and finals of Grand Slams... He's got to bite the bullet in his game style. He can be, he can manoeuvre the ball. He stays in rally. He's got a fabulous first serve. Um, not a lot of people talk about how good his first serve is. He wins so many free points. But he needs to do more and take on his opponents, if you, especially at Grand Slam level because you've got the best of five sets. So the matchup tonight for him, I think, is a tough one. So you wouldn't expect him necessarily to come through that one. Murray would be the favourite for you. Murray's the favourite. The, the interesting thing in Australian tennis, you've got Nick Kyrgios, who's beaten Nadal, Federer and Andy in, in the Hopman Cup, which is an exhibition event, if you like. Uh, Bernard hasn't beaten any of those top guys yet. He's beaten who he should, but not many above himself. You mentioned he needs to learn how to bite the bullet and take the play away from, from his opponents. He certainly learned how to bite the bullet in the press room. He, he gave us a couple of corking quotes about uh, Roger Federer uh, a couple of days ago. Roger, uh, just making the point that, yeah, well, you've been talking about top 10 and Bernard Tomic for a while. He hasn't made it yet, has he? And Bernard replied, well, yeah, maybe we should talk about how far Roger Federer is away from Novak Djokovic. It's quite punchy, isn't it? Punchy when you haven't got anything to back it up, that's for sure. I, did, I missed that. There's so much going on this first week of the Open. Um, but I think, I think that Roger's far closer to Novak than Bernard is to winning a major. 
Uh, final one. Uh, Nick Kyrgios is obviously another one who creates huge interest here and, in fact, everywhere he goes. Yeah. I mean, he is box office to watch. I, I would I would go out of my way to watch Nick Kyrgios play tennis. But he's another one, like Bernard, who it's not straightforward, is it? No, it's not. I understand what you're saying about the box office piece because, yes, it's when he's switched on, the tennis is amazing. I'd love to watch that box office switch on without the other that comes with it. And when he lost to Thomas Burdick here the other night, um, there was two differences in professionalism on the court. One that was glued to being focused and as good as he can in Burdick and one that was distracted and still unsure how to handle the stresses that come with being in that spotlight. And you can just watch Nick and as he starts to get a little more tired throughout an event and emotionally his focus leaves the tennis and it goes to being distracted. And so for him to be as good as he can be, that's what he's got to work on. Um, And I think at the end of the day you've got to get the results to still be able to be that person that he's trying to be. So for now, it's exciting, but I want to see him win tour events. I want to see him turn them into the latter stages of majors and then majors. Of the group of the players that are around that are coming up behind this top four or five that have been around for five, six years, he's the one that stands out. But mentally... He's, he is probably at the, the wrong end of that group. Talent-wise, he's got it. So it's going to be intriguing watching him. That's the part that I think everybody loves is, is what will he do next. Is it surmountable? Is it an achievable thing for him from where he is to get to where you feel he needs to go? Well, he's got the tennis there. And I think he's got to prioritise in, in what he wants out of his career. I think at the moment it's also new and exciting and there's so much happening. You know, there's, there's TV commercials, there's ads, there's press everywhere. Um, they're things that are, if you haven't got the right team with you that are helping you to construct your daily and weekly and yearly plan, then it can go awry. Um, he's got the, he will have the right people there, but he's got to make that decision um, about when it becomes about winning day in day out and you go to the no stone unturned philosophy of Novak Djokovic to be the perfectionist and once you've got that then you start to be in the air of those guys and and I'd like to see him in that because that's what his tennis can do um, as opposed to being in here for a year or two and we lose him. And I suppose just as a final thought if we were to rewind I know it's been the Leighton Hewitt loving for the last two weeks but if we were to rewind 15 years it wasn't always roses was it no, and maybe no. he could be the inspiration the, the, the guidance for Nick He could be because if there's anyone in Australian tennis that has done it right and wrong it would be Leighton Leighton um, has struggled with the fan base in Australia um, throughout his career but there's a difference with Leighton in the competitiveness on court he never gave up a point he never and that's been what's been celebrated about him whereas Nick lets those moments get away from him where it hurts his, hurts him on court Leighton used to annoy people by how strong minded he was and um, he made some mistakes yep but I think Nick has to look at again 
for me, Leighton is in the categories of, of uh, Roger and, and Rafa and Novak and Andy in the way he went about trying to win his matches. And, um, and right now I think Nick has got to use those guys and really look at them. You've got some fabulous ambassadors in front of you that have done such great things in our sport. Look to those guys to, to take every piece of good out of what they've done and add that to your own game. So there's Todd Woodbridge on the Young Australian Hopes. Now one of the fourth round matches we're really looking forward to is Stan Wawrinka against Milos Raonic. And one of the more interesting coaching developments in the off-season was the hook-up between Raonic and Carlos Moyer. Alex Karecha has played Moyer in the final of the French Open and coached a top player in Andy Murray himself. So, how does he think Moyer will do? Well, for sure he knows a lot about tennis. I, I think, you know, it is difficult for us to be full-time coach because we've been traveling around the world and we've been away for so long uh, I think the combination between having someone on the side like uh, Raonic has with Piatti and then Carlos can uh, you know add a lot of things I think it's better than maybe being coach full-time you know first because you don't want to travel that much second because I think for the player every time you go with them they are so pumped to listen to you they don't get used to everything and and you are every time you go with them, you feel like you can add some new ideas, and and it's good. So I think it's good to have some weeks where you can practice things, and then you can translate that to to matches. You know, I think that's a perfect combination. But I'm sure that Carlos can do it very well. What do you think Carlos would want to bring to a guy like Ranić? Because they're very different, aren't they? I mean, Carlos was, you know great baseliner with a fantastic forehand I mean Raonic has got that rocket of a serve so different yeah but you know what uh, we t- tennis players we don't take it like this I believe not uh, at least not me it's not like I feel like because I was playing more from the baseline I cannot teach someone that he can serve a mole you know even if of course probably Stefan Edberg will do better than me you know but at the end it's m- more like a mental issue and also like what you want from the player and what does he want from you and I believe Carlos can add uh, a better forehand maybe to Milos you can see that he's turning around a lot with the the second serve return he's going with the forehand which Carlos used to do that and then uh, Carlos also was a very aggressive player so I I don't think it's because he has a different style he cannot help him I I believe it's more like like a mental issue that can help it's like when Becker uh, signed with uh, Nole some people said, oh, for Clay, but Becker is not... I mean, what are we talking about? It's Boris Becker. He can teach you any place, anywhere. And if they need some help at some stage in some different surfaces, for sure they will ask for You know, I don't... If it's not your ego in, in, the, in the game, it's not a problem. You know, the problem is when people feel like, oh, no one can tell me anything. No, I think here the, the best thing of these tournaments is that you can learn from everyone. I can learn from you, you can learn from me, I can learn from this guy here. Everyone, everyone has his own role, you know, and as long as you know that, I think it's better for, for all of us. It's very kind of you to say. I don't think there's anything you can learn from me, uh, quite honestly. I do learn from you. I <laughs> follow you on Twitter, and of course, uh, I, learn, I learn things. You know, sometimes our statistics, sometimes our matches that I don't know that they played before. It's always, for sure, I'm telling you, and I like to watch the juniors, I like to watch the girls. I love tennis. <laughs> That's interesting. Just a couple of final look aheads to the draw. Mentioned Raonic and Vavrinka. It's a fantastic last 16 match, isn't it? Who do you think is going to win? You know, yeah, I, I felt like both of them are playing at, at, at their best. 
and it's going to be interesting to see how Millers can handle Stan because I think Vavrinka of course got more experience on these kind of situations and I, I think Vavrinka plays very intelligent and he can open up the court very well and he can mix it up with the, with the slice, he serves well and he plays very fast so I don't know how Round is going to handle when he returns I think he will struggle on that side and at the same time I think Stan will try to slow down the pace a little bit on Miller's serves and then change the, the page, you know, and mix it up a little bit with backhands down the line. So, uh, I think he will use the slice a lot. And then, of course, with the forehand, we'll try to move Milos a lot. So who's going to win it? Well, uh, it's a tough tough call. I will reserve that because I've got friends <laughs> and I think uh, both, both of them are, are good to me. OK, uh, final one. Uh, we don't know for sure whether it'll be Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals. He's got to play as Gilles Simon first. But Kane Ishikori today was absolutely fantastic. What do, you, do you think he is... We, we saw him beat Novak uh, at the US Open a couple of years ago. Is he in that sort of form? I think we are waiting for Kay. He's there. But uh, we want him to do better, I guess. He is lovely to watch. And it's a kind of guy that he can play very nice tennis. Uh, I think physically sometimes he was struggling. But I think it's good that he gets into second week already in the quarters and not suffering so much because he can. St- he's still got some, some power to go. Uh, he, can, he can be very dangerous. And as whenever he gets one of those victories again, I think he will be, he will be ready. Alex Karecha joining me on Sunday in Melbourne. On the women's side of the draw, we're all looking forward to another Serena Sharapova clash. But before then, Johanna Konta will try to be the first British woman to reach the quarterfinals of the Australian Open since Joe Jury more than 30 years ago. I was thinking to myself that she could have a good run here after beating Venus in the first round. Uh, and she's just got better and better. And she looks like the type of player that consistently can do this. I mean, her ranking's going up. Uh, when she goes out on court, you just really believe in her, or the way she goes about her matches. So who knows, could get to that quarterfinal stage. That would be brilliant. It certainly would, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you said she looks like the sort of player that can keep doing this. But if we were to rewind our minds back, say, a year, that would have seemed very unlikely, wouldn't it? Yes, I, I know it is. I, I saw her last year at Nottingham when I was commentating and there, you could just see the changes starting sort of mentally in her belief in herself. And I know that she said it's, it's not something that just clicked. She's worked at it. And I, and I understand what she's saying. She has worked at it for a long time to change her mental outlook on court because she did get very emotional. And you always thought in a crisis that she was a bit brittle. But something did click. I think it all came together and then off she went. I mean, Eastbourne, wow, what a tournament. And then, of course, the US Open. I thought she was going to beat Kvita at the, at the US Open and get to the quarterfinals. She didn't quite make it, but she's given herself another chance. She certainly has. Just when you do rewind the mind back, I was actually looking through the record of your run to the quarters and, and also the, 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 the good match you had against mm. Martina Navratilova, yeah. and you were actually you were up in that match. Yes, I was. I was a break-up in the uh, third. But the funny thing was that we, we played a set. Uh, I won the first set, and it rained. We had to come back the next day to play. So all night I was thinking of... You know, could I do it? Could I beat the great Martina on grass? 
and I was so excited. I came back the next day and then I went that break up and I think I did get too excited and I was all over the place after that and Martina, so good on grass, nearly, nearly did it. Uh, just great memories, yeah. You're now here in the role of commentator seeing what Johanna Conta is going through. That is now... I hate to say it, it's about 32 years ago, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a long time ago. How, how much has the tennis world changed since then? If you compare the Australian Open now, obviously in a different location for starters. Yeah, yeah totally. Different surface. Um, I, I think it's good they got away from the rebound ace courts because with the heat they had here, and I played on rebound ace, horrible. It was too hot and sticky. So they've changed now to the cement, um, which has got one more layer than the US Open. But it makes for a great surface. And now with the roofs as well, for sun or rain, <laughs> it's just a brilliant setup. And uh, I, I think that Johanna is very good at playing on, uh, on the cement too. It's a great surface for her as well as grass. And uh, I'm just so excited to see her play the next round. The other thing that is is we can't get away from is is just to look at the the sheer riches in the game now. She's got herself through to the last sixteen. She's guaranteed two hundred thousand Australian dollars, so just short of a hundred thousand pounds. When you got to the Australian <laughs> Open quarters, I looked it up: eleven thousand Australian dollars, about five thousand pounds worth. Then that, even in a conversion, is worth about fifteen thousand pounds today mm. you know you're talking a big difference yeah. is it, aren't you? nothing like it yes i know um but you know to me in those days that was a lot of money it really was and uh, you know i'm not complaining but wow if you get through in a grand slam now it, it's just spectacular and i think they've done the right thing by you know changing it first and second round in particular to give some of those players who are just fringe top hundred of making a, a decent wage during the year because it is ever so hard when you're out there you know grinding it out during the year and you at that sort of stage I mean if you were look to look at that year as a whole you got to the French Open semi-finals you got to the US Open semi-finals as well in a group of players with Chris Everts and Martin and Navratilova these are some of the all-time greats what what was it like to be mixing in that company and, and and at the top of your game it, it was fascinating, I, I think, for me. I did get on a roll, which I took into the next year in 84. But uh, just rubbing shoulders and being in the locker room in the later stages of a Grand Slam is very weird because it, it's, there's hardly anyone in there, actually. And you're kind of bumping around with these top players who, who are trying to play mind games with you, believe me. They, they do, you know, give a little comment here and there and, you know, how's your forehand? And you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't know really we'll see when I play you so it, it is a whole other world that you've got to get used to second week of a slam it, it really is she's into the second week of a slam how far can she go well I think you know tough next match against uh, Makarova I would never write her off and I think she's fit and healthy again but she has beaten her after all uh, at Eastbourne so if she can get through that one oh, who knows you get into that stage with your focus and mentality where you really are in your own bubble and all that confidence is just pushing you forward to the next match. And just to throw it ahead finally in the future, what do you think she's capable of rankings-wise in the future? Yeah, well, I think she's still putting points on every week, isn't she, really up until Eastbourne, as far as I can make out from last year. So um, we've got the French 
coming up. And then some of the big tournaments like Indian Wells and Miami, where, you know, hard courts again, I think she can do some damage. So I would think, you know, top 30, 30 something pretty soon and edging up into top 20. Top 20. A British player not called Andy Murray in the top 20 in the world. That'd do. Now, if you're in the UK, you'll be able to hear commentary of that match from myself, Gigi Salmon and Russell Fuller on the BBC Sport website from about six in the morning on Monday. And then Andy Murray against Bernard Tomic will follow at about eight o'clock. Tennis Breakfast will be on air on Five Live Sports Extra from seven in the morning and will continue to bring you the best of the action throughout week two. The Tennis Podcast has been brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We'll be back with more later on in week two. We do hope you've enjoyed it. Now do follow us on Twitter at Tennis Podcast, review us on iTunes and spread the word. And we'll speak to you soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 